Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and folks are itching to get out and about again. And the worst place you can go when you have wanderlust is TikTok. Because that app has no trouble showing you all the places you're missing out on. And I don't know what's going on with my algorithm, but... I've been seeing a lot of hiking and nature and, and national parks, um, and, which for the most part has been nice, right? You know, beautiful hiking trails, gorgeous landscapes. It's not bad to look at, but every now and then uh, I'll get a TikTok that very quickly reminds me that nature is terrifying. And it, it reminds me, I did an episode about two years ago um, after I went on a hike at a state park. And even on a trail, being in, in the thick, thick forest was super disorienting. And in, in this episode, I argued that you know, people don't belong in the woods anymore. Like we've evolved past that and the woods aren't human territory anymore. And... I still stand by that. Like, but even even feeling that way, uh, you know, that people don't belong in the woods anymore. I have this contradictory urge to explore nature because it's beautiful. It's it's invigorating, right? Um, but leave it to TikTok to remind me that the unknown is terrifying. Um, you know, on the one hand, I'm seeing beautiful landscapes in the national parks, and on the other hand. There are stories of people straight up disappearing in the parks. There are conspiracy theories about feral people living in the woods. Um, dark watcher apparitions appearing on mountain peaks. Just a lot of creepy stuff happening. That's It's enough to make you question whether you actually want to explore nature. And you know, if you Google this stuff, feral people in the woods, dark watchers, you're left with more questions than answers, to be honest. So... I reached out to the National Park Service and I was actually able to set up a chat with Cynthia. She's a public affairs officer at Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks in California. And I really wanted her to fill me in on what the heck is going on in national parks. Um, so here's our conversation. Uh, so I have this image um, in my head that a park ranger is this rugged outdoorsy individual um, who fist fights wildfires and wrestles mountain lions. Is that pretty accurate? You know, I think some of our rangers would, rangers would say yes, and others, I think, would say not even close. I think there's a variety of uh, jobs that park employees do, and some of them are the more traditional park rangers that people are used to seeing, like our interpretive park rangers that are out uh, talking to visitors, giving park information, doing ranger programs at campgrounds and at visitor centers. And then we also have our law enforcement uh, park rangers that are out patrolling and making sure you know, people store their food properly and they do search and rescues. So I think those are more, the more traditional vision of a park ranger. Right. Uh, but then you have so many more employees that work at national parks that go you have jobs from HR to uh, social media to mm -hmm. science research and janitorial duties. And, you know, we all may or may not be, you know, assigned a park uniform, uh, 
but we're all here to support this big national park mission. So right. I, I would say I, I, you know, consider everyone a park ranger, um, but we all do different duties. Sure. It's a wide spectrum of National Park Service employees that mm-hmm. not many people think about. To be honest, I'm one of those people. I'm just envisioning the the, the uniform, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some challenges that uh, rangers face on the job? I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, we've heard is that the number of employees and park rangers doesn't necessarily align with our current visitation numbers. Um, or that our current park facilities uh, match up or align with the number of visitors we have nowadays. Our visitation has definitely increased in the, la- in the last several years and um, pretty consistently each year. And, you know, we have infrastructure that's been here since the 60s. And wow. so, or really outdated, uh, you know, wastewater systems and different things. And as much as we're trying to keep up and put together projects and update our infrastructure and our services that we offer, um, I think the visitation is, is beating us right now with, you know, with everyone interested in the park service. I think once we celebrated our park centennial in 2016, you know, the word got out and there was so much marketing and so much messaging around national parks that year that 2017, we hit our record visitation here at Sequoia King's Canyon wow. with over 2 million visitors. Wow. And so, for, for our size of park, that was that was quite a big deal. Sure. What's a, a good ratio of like visitors to rangers? You know, if, if we if we could, if we only had the answer, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. we're trying right. to figure it out, and uh, we are hoping to do some studies and data collection. And we actually have a project called visitor use management uh, planning. And so we're looking at like what are what's a good visitor experience and what does mm-hmm. that mean and does that mean everyone gets to drive through the national park like we've been doing does mm-hmm. that mean people park outside the park and are shuttled in due to the numbers um does it mean we need you know a million more you know thousands more restrooms or we need more buildings do we need more parking lots and at what point does that start to take away from the national park experience and mm-hmm. so there's a lot to be considered and a lot that we'll be diving into. So we'll let you know when we figure it out. Sure. So it sounds like the answer is never enough rangers is what you're saying. Never enough rangers. <laughs> I think, yes, <laughs> that could be the headline. Here. Right, right. Um, so you mentioned search and rescue, um, and that's something I, I've never been to a national park myself, and it's always kind of scary to think about getting lost. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you have the numbers on this or if you're allowed to share it, but like how often do people get lost in the national park? Uh, as far as getting lost, I don't have an exact number, but we have well over 100 incidents a year. And that can be anything from someone being lost, someone uh, falling down a cliff, someone getting swept away in the river uh, to, you know, someone just getting lost on the trail and, you know, us having to to search for them and start a search party. Uh, so we have a variety of, of incidents in the parks. And, you know, it ends up being, you know, sort of like a little community up here with, you know, we have a market and we have lodges and we have visitor centers and we have all these visitors coming in. And so I think it's it's maybe natural for, for with these many visitors in the parks and in a new place that they haven't experienced before maybe uh, for there to always be some sort of um, incidents, but I think the most serious ones 
are, you know, I think we try to do as much education and messaging as we can to prepare visitors for going maybe on wilderness trips and backcountry trips where, you know, there's kind of a list of essential items you don't want to leave uh, without. And if you're coming to the park, you know, you, we try to message, you know, the rivers are really dangerous this time of year. Make sure to stay away from them, even though it's 100 degrees in the foothills and the water looks really appealing. That water is way too cold, more cold than you, you would think, and wow. it's going a lot faster than you would think. So it just you know sweeps people down the river. So I think there's a lot of different types of incidents, and we're just trying to do as much as we can to to keep people safe because we want people to make good memories and right. go home in one piece. Of course. So you're saying out of fear I would stick to the trail, but you're saying there's a chance I might still get lost even if I stick to the trail. Not the front country country trails so much um there are areas of a parks that you know you don't have your cell phone there's no cell phone service and so sure. there's people who get separated from their parties or you know they they get you know lost on this trail those aren't usually that big of a deal uh, but it's more serious when people are in the back country and they're on their own uh we really encourage people to hike with a buddy or go out with a you know a person or at least make sure that someone has an itinerary that says exactly where they're going and when they're due back. Um, once we start to get those calls of, hey, my friend was supposed to be back yesterday and they're not back and they were, there was a snowstorm up in the mountains where they were heading, then it's mm. a call for concern. Right, backcountry, that sounds scary. I would never wanna go there. <laughs> um, so it might be the backcountry, but what else is unique about um, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks? For our parks, I would say the varied elevations and the ecosystems. Because we, when you go into the entrance gate of Sequoia National Park, you're at about 1,700 feet. Uh, when you go up into giant forests to see the giant sequoia, you get to about 6,500 feet in just like 45 minutes. So it's a very windy road that gets you really high in elevation really quickly. And then we have Mount Whitney, which is the highest peak in the um, lower 48 and that's mm. 14,000 14,500 feet um, high so you go from 1700 feet to 14,500 that's a huge elevation gain so you're getting ecosystems that are just you know along each layer as you go up in elevation um, they're very unique um, people come here for the giant sequoias but they don't realize we have over 275 caves here and we have Crystal Cave, which is um, operated by our park partner, and people can do tours inside this cave, and it's a really, really cool experience that I think people often miss out on or just don't even think that is here because they're here to see the giant sequoias above ground, not go underground. 96% uh, of these parks are wilderness, and so the roads that people drive through and the areas that people see make up maybe 4% of our entire national park. So um, that's why we really encourage people to get out into the wilderness and explore and go backpacking. And that's really a true natural experience because you know cell phone service, you're on, you know, you're carrying <laughs> everything you, you have, your food, your water, um, your clothes, but it's really, those are the best views and the best experiences. For sure. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, so if you had to rank all the national parks, would you rank Sequoia and Kings Canyon pretty high up there? I haven't been to any national parks, even though I work for the National Park Service System. 
hmm, that's a good question. I, I feel like it's too soon to answer, but it's definitely right. one of my, I mean, I love it yeah. here. I love, I love these parks. Sure. And I don't know how many people have actually been to all of them, so I feel like it'd be tough for anyone to rank all the national parks, so... Don't worry about that. Um, you mentioned it a little bit before. You said like 2 million visitors or something like that. But um, how did the pandemic affect tourism at the park? I think, well, we were one of the parks that shut down uh, once the pandemic started. And we were shut down for a couple months. I think we shut down probably sometime in April. And we reopened in early June. So it was at least a couple months. And... It, um, I think it affected, so our visiting, I mean, we were closed, so that was a big effect. Right. But then we re reopened, and as people, you know, as we got later into 2020, and we started, people started to get really antsy to get outdoors, and we, and, you know, it was really highlighted that going outdoors was safe enough to do with your family and your pod, and just, you know, it was a good opportunity to get outside with while still being safe we were getting really high visitation <laughs> during uh, the times of years when we may not have that high visitation. So winter, you know, New Year's, we saw the highest number of visitors compared to any summer day in the last three years. Wow. Like New Year's Day was busier than any 4th of July weekend in the last three years, which is unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we saw a lot more regional visitation. So even though we didn't, we are visited we have a lot of international visitors typically and i think this last year we've been getting a lot more regional visitation from california and from this area which to us is a huge bonus because we we've always we always want to connect with our local communities and so uh, i hope we were able to connect with more people from here from the united states uh, who are exploring their national parks and and seeing them as an opportunity to recreate safely uh, so I would say that, um, but tourism definitely in our local communities, you know, with, with hotels and lodges having to stay closed or, you know, with less, you know, with more regional visitation, those visitors are not as likely to stay overnight or, or eat out, you know, at local restaurants or, or do the things that um, tourists from abroad would do. And so I think it did affect our tourism locally, but I think I think we're bouncing back right. <laughs> as people are are vaccinated and they're getting out and they feel more safe to be out. So. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask like now that the pandemic is quote unquote ending, um, have your numbers kind of gone back to normal? I think I think we're expecting a very summer, uh, very busy summer this season. Right. And you, you won't have enough rangers as usual. And not enough rangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any other factors um, that would affect tourism? Well, last year we also had really catastrophic fires here in California, and uh, at least one of them was very, you know, here close to our parks and and got came into our park, and so we were under um, evacuation order for part, you know, for some time. We had really bad air quality. Um, smoke was a huge uh, deal last year, and so we we did have to shut down the park again later in the year this time due to, due to air quality. And so that also is affecting tourism and vegetation. It's not just the pandemic, but last year we also had some really, really terrible wildfires. And so that's something that we always need to keep in mind. And we're hoping it's not, you know, with 
a drought and our snow uh, pack not being what it needs to be this time of year, definitely of concern, you know, for, for this year to come. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, have you heard of Dark Watchers? No. <laughs> okay, so there are these shadowy figures um, that hikers will see at the top of like a mountain peak, maybe um, Mount Whitney, you said it was called, uh -huh. um, that appear at like twilight, like as the sun's going down. No one's ever mentioned that at, at your park? No. <laughs> okay, because I, I was wondering if like you get traffic uh, from people who are like searching for these dark watchers or like Sasquatch or like local folklore, like do you get tourists like searching for those kind of things? I've been here for almost five years now and I have not heard of anything like okay. that. But I'm curious. I feel like I need to ask around and see if other people have heard. Right. Yeah, I encourage you to, to ask them. Uh, that's what I heard about on TikTok are these dark watchers. Um, and it sounds just to me like it's um, like a shadow of a tree because mm -hmm. sun, the sun's going down. But like there have been like reports for like hundreds of years of these things. So I was just curious if you ever heard about them. <laughs> um, I'll see how many people know what I'm talking about when I mention it to them. Right. <laughs> um, what would you say to anyone... Um, including myself, who hasn't been to a national park to encourage them to go? I would say that visiting a national park, I mean, there's a national park for everyone. Um, national parks aren't just natural, um, you know, go up into the mountains and see the trees and rivers. Uh, there are national parks in the middle of cities. San Francisco has a national park the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge is, has national park land on either side of it, and people don't even realize it. Uh, you know, the waterfront is national park land in San mm. Francisco. And so uh, I would say that if you download the National Park Service app that just launched actually a couple weeks ago, oh, cool. and it's one app, and it ha includes every single national park unit within that one app, um, and it, if you turn on your location, it'll tell you what national parks are around you or closest to you, wherever nice. you are. Um, but there are, you know, homes, you know, um, memorials. There are um, national recreation sites like San Francisco. Um, there's so many varieties of national park units that you don't need to be rugged and, you know, want to go out into nature to enjoy national parks. You can you can live in San Francisco and enjoy the national park right there. And so I would say there's a national park site for everyone and for whatever they're hoping to experience. I did not know about national parks until I got to college and was uh, took a class and we did some field school trips uh, to San Francisco to Muir Woods and to Golden Gate uh, and did some volunteer projects. And that's how I fell in love with national parks. I would have never I was an event planner. I didn't think I would ever work for the National Park Service, but I think there's a job in the National Park Service for anyone out there wanting to or interested in working for national parks. And you don't need to be a rugged ranger to work for the Park Service. Right. Um, there's a job for everyone. There's no specific major. You can be a finance major, a business major, a special events major. You can do anything here in the National Park Service. Amazing. I'm sold. That was a great closing statement. Thank you so much for your time. Good. I wish. Can you send me the recording? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs>